talking about faith. I, I, I won't get through tonight, obviously, because I took time with all that. But, but we're going into the future, and, and I'm not talking here about something I read in a book. It's something I've been living for all these years now. It's, I'm in my 46th year of, of walking with Jesus, and I did not know anything about the principles of walking by faith. You know, um, faith was a mental concept. To a lot of people, faith is a mental concept. Well, I, well, I have my faith. But somehow, faith is innocuous and separated from life for a large population of Christians. Did you know that? So they're talking, well, I have my faith, but their faith does nothing for them. Maybe save them from sin, maybe get them to heaven, but as far as helping them go through the hard knocks of life, they don't understand that faith should even be in the equation. And my encouragement is, as we navigate into whatever's gonna be happening in the future, I'm completely thrilled about it because God will always meet your every need if you trust him. Yes or no? And so faith is in the equation of life when it comes to pressure, obstacles, circumstances, and hardship. If you'll answer with faith every challenge that life brings, we will always come out the where, where we need to be with the Lord every single time. Yes or no? And so regardless of what we face in life, faith will bring God's answer. I mentioned these scriptures last week, Hebrews eleven six message paraphrase. It's impossible possible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. There's something about faith that Smith Wigglesworth said will cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. And I said this last week, I want to mention it before I go where I want to go. God does not respond to need. God responds to faith. If God responded to need, there would be no children that, had, that didn't have clothes or food. There wouldn't be people in homeless shelters. There wouldn't be people dying of dreaded diseases and accidents and all kinds of mischief. There wouldn't be all kinds of mess that mar the family and the home and people's lives. No, if God responded to need, he would meet every need. No, God responds to faith. I know it's an odd concept for many, but that's the way it is. And you'll find out and, you know, look at Jesus. Here's the woman uh, who had um, a menstrual problem for 12 years. She could not, by Jewish law, get out in crowds. Somebody else had to go buy her groceries for her, had to go do things for her. She couldn't get out in public. It was against Jewish law. She, against Jewish law, crawled on her hands and knees up to a man named Jesus that she heard about was healing people. There's all kind of crowds all around him. Everybody's around Jesus, but this one woman crawls up to him on all fours, touches the hem of his garment, which in Jewish law, life in the priest's life stood for the word of God and had tassels around it to remind the priests of the word. She grabbed hold of the word, so to speak, the living word and that which resembled the word grabbed. And the moment she did, Jesus said, who touched me? And his disciples went, all the people are pressing against you. He said, uh, 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 this was a different kind of touch. It was the touch of faith because I felt power go out of me. And that woman, she said, oh, Jesus, it was me. And he said, come here. And you know what he said to her, woman? Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be well. What she had dealt with for 12 years, spent all the money on doctors, and they were just practicing physicians. They couldn't help her. <laughs> but Jesus, one touch, boom. Isn't that incredible? 
So, so, so see, there's one illustration. We could give you many. Here's a big crowd. Nobody was touched but the one with faith. Now, you get still that way today. So if you want God to meet your needs, it's not whining, begging, or doing penance as some religions do. Uh, it's trusting and believing what he said in his word about you. That'll cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders, I love this. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. So let me jump right to it. Last week, if you weren't here, go get the um, MP3 or go on our website and look at the video because it's all there. Um, uh, Four things to remember about your faith life. I mentioned last week, faith is a heart issue. And I started out and I read Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, and 25 tonight. I just want to read Mark 11, 22, 3, and 4, and then make some comments and go to to number two and mention something about faith that's really important. Everybody good? Number one, we mentioned faith is a heart issue. Faith is from the heart. It's from the inside. Faith has to do with your words. If you're not saying anything, you don't believe anything. That's why Jesus said, have faith in God, verse 22, Mark 11, verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, Jesus gave us some tremendous principles there. I mentioned many of them last week, and last week we really honed in on, on words. There is no faith if you have no words. It's a faith just doesn't float up out of your heart into invisibly without you doing something with it. It's got to come out of your mouth. That's why Paul said in Romans 10, just to be saved, if you confess, if you say with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, believe in your heart, God raised them from the dead, you'll be saved. With the heart you believe, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It goes that way with anything that God does. If you're expecting an answer to prayer, what are you saying about the answer? What are you saying that you believe? If you're not saying anything, you're not believing anything. We mentioned that last week. Second point here is this. Faith is unreasonable to the natural mind. That is, it doesn't make sense and your mind will fight you trying to get you out of faith into doubt and unbelief. So again, Jesus said here, whoever says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Everybody say doubt. He used the word believe. Um, whoever says to the mountain, use words the most, says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says uh, will be done. He will have whatever he says. Said say or says three times. Said believe one time, but he mentioned this word doubt and does not doubt in his heart. Now that word has always interested me, the word doubt. And I looked this up years ago. Uh, I had a PC study Bible years ago and uh, the UBS handbook series, United Bible Society series on on uh, Greek and Hebrew words, I looked this word doubt up and I looked it up again today. And the word doubt is really interesting. It's also, uh, it's made of two compound words and the last part of the word is krino and, and it's the word for judge, to judge something. And so it's diakrino and you know what that means? It means to look at all of the evidence and see which one is right. You're not just looking at one thing, you're looking at a number of things. 
What does a judge do? What does a jury do in the United States? Well, you, you got to get all, you got to compile all the evidence with a hearing. Is that correct? And then after you look at all the evidence, which is right, which is true, and which is false. And, and, and so you've got to judge which one you're going with. The jury has to, has to say, well, I, I believe that, or I believe that, or I believe that, but don't believe that. So, so this word for doubt, what it's not, so doubt is not singularly looking at one thing, and that's the only thing you do. Doubt is looking at a lot of stuff. Get it? So let me break this down. Y'all okay? So listen to what the expositor said here. Though doubt is usually a much easier term to translate than faith or believe, it's represented by a variety of idiomatic renderings. Now, an idiom of expression is an expression that's used by a particular culture because they have a certain way of living and doing things and only people in that culture will understand. So an idiom of expression would be different people that say things. So a country person, a city person, a person that lives in California, a person that lives in North Carolina, Carolina, New York, or somebody that lives in Africa or India or Europe, whatever, they say things a different way. And so here are some idioms of expression that help you understand the word doubt. Listen to this. Um, um, the majority of instances, he says, the concept of duality, looking at more than one thing is present when you're talking about doubt, to make his heart two. And there's the name of the expositor. I won't mention their names. To be with two hearts. It's talking about what the word doubt means. To stand two. To be two. To have two minds. To think something else. To think two different things. And to have two thoughts. And then in some languages... Doubt is expressed without the, re, uh, the concept of two or otherness. And this is really good to have whirling words in one's heart. Not just one, see the idea is not just one thing, a bunch of stuff floating around. Got it? Uh, his thoughts are not on it. Uh, to have a hard heart. Uh, or I like this last one. To repeatedly spread out in order implying the process of arranging and rearranging of material as one... Um, Wavers back and forth over varying possibilities. So look at that. So, so doubt, what is doubt? Well, it might be this, might be this, this. So when, when, when you think about doubt, you know, put your hands out in front of you. Just like that. There's 10 fingers. So, so doubt could be you got the pinky, you got the ring finger, you got tall man, <laughs> you got pointer, <laughs> thumb. <laughs> you got to make a joke. Come on, y'all. Y'all too heavy tonight. So you got all of them that they believe in thinking different things. And then you've got to figure out which one is right. That's doubt. Huh? And, and does not doubt in his heart. Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain and does not doubt. And I heard this, I read this, and then when I was in Tulsa, as a young man, Kenneth Hagin would say it over and over, and, and I didn't understand, now I do. He would say, you can have doubt in your head and faith in your heart. And I never understood. Now I get it because I fought so many faith battles. Let me tell you what the enemy will do. He'll put doubt thoughts in your mind when you're trusting God for an answer to prayer. You get it? And then try to get you to yield to that. And what God wants us to do is look singularly at his word. 
What did he promise me? What did he say he would do? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But the enemy will say, well, he just might, he might just might not help you pay that bill because you got yourself into that trouble yourself. Right? Or, or himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses and with his wounds we are healed. Well, yes, but... This one, I'll take you to the grave. It'll put some dirt over your body because of this one. See? Doubt thoughts come. Huh? But, but so what does faith do? It looks squarely at the word and nothing else. So to exercise faith, it's necessary to look absolutely and only at what God said. And so what happens when doubt thoughts come? Ignore them. Thoughts that come into my mind that I never verbalized die as seeds that have not been planted. So I want you to see what the enemy will do to your life. He'll put doubt thoughts in your head. Bloop, 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 plant and seed. Bloop, 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 bunch of them. Bloop, bloop, bloop. You like that? <laughs> and, and then all, all he wants you to, you to do is say, is say, well, I'm not sure. Did God really hear, hear, hear me when I asked for that? I, I, am I asking for too much? Is that selfish? Or can I do that? You know, I don't know that God's going to do it this time. If he didn't answer that person's prayer. Let me give you a hint. You cannot base your faith on what happens to somebody else. I've never based my faith in God on what it, other people experience because I don't know them. I don't know what they're believing. I don't know what's in their heart. I don't know whether or not they meditate on the word. Y'all, I've had really good friends, Bible school friends, ministry friends that bad things have happened to. And you know what I do? I don't, I don't, it's not my business. I say that's not my business, that's theirs. That's their business, not mine. I know what God said to me. I, I don't know what they were thinking, believing, or saying. Do you know a lot of people, things happen to people because they've said words for a long time that they never took back. I could give you some, let me see, I've got to give some innocuous illustration. I have uh, friends who in their younger years say, well, I won't live past such and such an age or I will die early. Did you know they did? Even though they were born again, spirit-filled, loved God, went to church, read the Bible, supposedly walked by faith, because their belief system never changed. You get the idea? So you can't judge what does or doesn't happen to someone else. You can only figure out yourself. Yes or no? Hmm. So what about doubt? So doubt can be in your head, that doesn't mean it's in your heart. And that's where the enemy will waylay you and he'll try to sideline you. If you pray to ask God for something and doubt thoughts come, if I ask for a show of hands in the room, everybody's had thoughts of doubt that come after you ask God to do something for you. Yes or no? If you haven't, then you're not human. You're a machine. You're an automaton. You're not real, okay? Everybody has doubt thoughts. See, but see, so what do you do with doubt thoughts? Don't do anything with them. In fact, Kenneth Hagin, he used to do this a lot. And uh, um, 
you know, he got healed of a heart ailment that he had had lifelong. It was congenital. He had it from birth, and then he had a, a blood uh, problem. And the Mayo Clinic said either one of those alone would prove to be a fatality. He would die young uh, in teenage years. But one doctor said clearly, probably won't live past 16. He started, he got paralyzed when he was 16 from the problems. Never had a childhood because his heart was deformed. And anyway, he got healed. After he got healed, he said the thoughts would just run into his mind and tell him he wasn't healed. And uh, symptoms would try to come back on him, but he never said anything. And so he said when those things came, sometimes he'd be sitting there and just, <laughs> and he'd hear a voice say, what's laughing at? And he'd say, well, I'm laughing at you, devil. <laughs> he said, why are you laughing? Because you said so. <laughs> he'd just laugh some more. And, you know, I heard that so much when I lived there and listened to Kenneth Hagin. There have been a few times. Now, if you do that in a room full of people, they're going to they call somebody and say, you need some help for 72 hours, you know. <laughs> but, so I usually do this when I'm by myself, really. Um, I'm on my bicycle. I'm taking a walk, you know. So I just laugh, you know. Susan think I'm cuckoo for sure. But he just laughed. So what do you do? Nothing. So, so listen, thought, you can't keep. In fact, Martin, I looked up the etymology of this phrase, and it's Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, you, uh, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. What's he saying? You can't keep doubt thoughts from entering your thoughts, your mind. But what you can do is keep from dwelling on them. So what I do all day long is, my battle is just keeping all that chunked out. So what do I do? I think on Scripture. I don't verbalize my doubts. Um, starve your doubts, feed your faith. Lester Summerall used to say, starve your doubts and feed your faith. So when doubt thoughts come, don't do anything with them. Instead, speak out loud what God says about you. So the best thing you'll ever do in the morning like I said last week, is get up and say what God said about you out loud, about your spiritual life, about God's love for you, about how your life is going, about God's blessing on your life, about God's provision on your life, about your health, about your relationships, just about life in general. Lots of bukus of scripture about it. Say it out of your mouth. Thus don't say you believe it. Say it, say it, say it. Words defeat doubt. Hmm? So, you know, then sometimes doubt can produce emotions and feelings. And you've got to be willing to, uh, to ignore the feelings. And, and when the thoughts come, say out loud what you believe. And if you keep saying what you believe, it'll actually change your feelings. And the feelings will actually finally just kind of peter away, just kind of go away. Just kind of uncanny how that works that way. People that work in the field of mental health. Uh, those people that are blue, melancholy personalities, they're constantly thinking on the wrong side of life and then they, they've convinced themselves because they talk about it all the time to everybody that'll listen. And so it's a constant, you know, it's just like a, it's just like a circular thinking pattern they can hardly get out of. You've got to break that in your life somehow. How many understand? So um, uh, doubt may come. Again, don't voice your doubts, voice uh, your faith. So uh, I could give you so many um, examples of this. Uh, you know, we, we came into this building in 2013. I'll be done real quick. In 2013, and um, 
we had built the building in Avonsboro Road, had been there 11 years, and the board and I had looked for property for, man, seven, six, seven, eight years. Just, well, I bet, I don't know how much. We looked at every piece of property in Wake County, I thought, that you could build a church on existing buildings or land we could build a building on. It was just nuts. We couldn't, it's just, and finally we found this, and when we found this, you know, it had a price on it, and um, so we agreed with, uh, with the owners of the property February 1st, 2013, we signed on the dotted line to purchase the property for X amount of money. And uh, then we had 60 days to get financing for the property. We had money saved up. And, of course, we'd get money from the uh, other building when we sold it. And, um, and so we had 60 days, however, to get a loan to, to get this. But we, had to, we spent almost three-quarters of a million dollars upfitting this property once we got it because uh, it, it was needed some help. Just needed some nice loving care. So uh, anyway, uh, 60 days, so five, 60 days. So you got all of February. Um, so you got February, you got March, and, and then all, all of February, all of March, and April 1st, uh, by contract, we had to have the money uh, to, uh, to, to uh, the money available to pay the owner and ready. And we had to have a letter from an institution saying we have the financing we're ready to go through with the purchase of the property. We had 60 days. Well, uh, there was another entity called the United States government that wanted this property real bad, and so they signed another document called Second Right of Refusal, which said if, uh, if the first contractual person doesn't come through with the financing, then it automatically defaults to us. So they're waiting on us to fail because they want this property real bad. So I'm waiting on us to succeed. So we, we, interviewed, uh, we interviewed 11 banks. They, that means the, either, you know, usually uh, the, the, um, one of the partners of the bank would come or one of his reps would come with several of the people sit in my office and talk to the board and I about the loans. And nine of them said, we can't help you. You know why? Because we weren't part of a denomination. We weren't Southern Baptist or we weren't Methodist or Presbyterian or whatever. We didn't have big banks behind us in a denominational way. So they said, no, thank you. We said, well, God bless you too. Uh, but two of them said, yes. And then one of them said, we'll give you part of it, but not all of it. We x that one off. And one said, we'll give you the whole kit and caboodle. We said, thank you very much. So April 1st came, guess what? No, and so let me say during that whole process, two months time, you just don't know the battles I fought mentally. It was nuts. It was really nuts. I mean, it's like the devil wanted me to say, well, I don't know if we're gonna get it or not. If I'd have said that, we wouldn't be here today. So every day I had to fight off these doubt thoughts because every time the banker, you know, stood up after they had talked to us, all nine of them and said, we can't help you, they would leave and my thoughts would go, you're a fool. Thoughts would come, not my thoughts. Devil, you're a fool. You're stupid. You think you're going to get that? You'll never get that property. You're going to stay your butt right where you're at, right here, and you'll never sell this building, and you'll never have another piece of property. You should give it up. And that came a lot. You know what I did with that? Ha, 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 ha. Nothing. I said, no. I never verbalized it. I never told anybody. But I said, Father, I want to thank you according to the word of God. I prayed and asked you, and we have what we need to purchase this building. April 1st came, and by 5 o'clock, we didn't have the paper in our hand, and the devil said, your time is up, Bubba. <laughs> the God did not come for, through for you. This time, you're going to stand in front of the whole congregation and say, well, the damn fell through. We've got to find something else. 
And I said nothing, but you know what? I prayed, God promised, and Lord, thank you for the financing. Bottom line, the next morning, the, uh, the, uh, the bank, whatever, the person was out of town, and then the person we're supposed to give the letter to was out of town. And they called us at 520 and said, look, we're out of town. Can you give it to us in the morning? And the bank hadn't given it to us yet. And we, uh, we said, yes. So 8 o'clock the next morning, we got the paper from the bank, and we're here. Now, I could just keep telling you all kinds of stories like that. Now, you know, it, so, so stories about healing, stories about finances. Um, I mean, even this project we're on right now, you just have no idea the mental battle. See, the enemy tries to get you looking at all the what ifs. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? See, all that's doubt. All that's unbelief. And so, you know, we, um, we decided that we we're going to build this child care and ministry center for children and all that. And uh, three and a half years ago, when we went through the process. We hired an architect that we knew that helped us the first time with this building up fit in 2013. And, and you know, we got all the plans ready and all that. And, and you know how long it took us to get the, the site permit. Finally, the building permit just came in July. And, and y'all just don't know the mental battles. I'm telling you, every day it's like, you just need to give up. This will never work. You'll never do it. You'll have to tuck your little tail between your little legs and go up there and say, well, y'all, I was wrong. We're not going to be able to build it. It ain't going to happen. And, but see, I never said it. It never came out of my mouth. The thoughts came, but I never said it. I said, you know what? I prayed. God promised. I believe I receive what we need. I believe we receive the building permit, the site permit, and the finances to do it. Lord, thank you for working it out. And that's all that ever came out of my mouth. The whirling stuff's here, but the faith is here. If you ignore the whirling stuff and say what God says, then the faith in your heart will win every time. You get it? So you may be struggling. You may be struggling with your finances. You may be struggling with some element in your, uh, some issue in your physical body. You may be struggling with a circumstance or you may be believing God to keep your job because they're telling you that you're going to have to do what they say you, you got to do when you don't want to do it. Some do it, some don't. And if you don't want to and, and then they're telling you all kinds of stuff, if you pray and trust God, here's what I know, he'll meet your need. But you can't doubt. And the enemy has an uncanny way of painting a picture of gloom and doom. So don't look at his picture. Look at God's. Y'all get something out of that?